Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be involved in studies in the epistle of Paul uh, to the Romans, and we'll be looking through the first three chapters. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We thank you for your Word today, Father. Now, your Word is life. Your Word is truth. Lord, speak to our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Uh, We're going to be looking at our place in Christ Jesus, and we're going to begin in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Notice Paul writes, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, as a believer in Christ, we have been made a servant of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how we came. We had to humble ourselves and we look to Christ for salvation. And now we are a servant that belongs to him because he's the king. Uh, we don't serve ourselves; We serve him. And in serving him, we serve others. Now, the Greek word for servant is doulos. And it is a person who is of a servile condition. Uh, one who has uh, given up himself up to another's will. Now, we have given ourselves up to Christ. Uh, when we raise our hand uh, to receive him, we are, we're surrendering and uh, we knelt before him and asked him to come into our heart and life through repentance and forgiveness of sins. And he came in and we were born again. We were made new people in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, Not only are we a servant, notice again what Paul wrote. He wrote, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. So as a believer in Christ, not only are we made a servant of Christ, but we're also called of Christ. And this is the Greek word kletos, and it means a divinely selected appointment to an office or to a function. Uh, You have the king of kings who has divinely uh, selected you and appointed you uh, to a certain office, whether it be apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, or to a function uh, within the church. And so this is a divinely selected uh, appointment, and it has eternal consequences uh, for you and for me. So we have a calling. We have a function within the body of Christ. Now, uh, no one in the body of Christ is not given, uh, has, has been given something to do. In other words, uh, that we're not to sit around and do nothing. Amen. God has a calling on our life. He has a plan for us. He has a function for us uh, to fulfill. And uh, nobody else has been given that function. Now, we all have like functions, uh, but God expects you and expects me uh, to follow him because, after all, we are servants, aren't we? And a servant is responsible to do what his master requires of him. So in in gaining these callings and gaining these functions, uh, we realize that uh, preparation time is not wasted time. Amen. God has a plan for us because he loves us and he has included us in part of his family. But now, once again, Paul said that he is a servant of Christ. He is called to be an apostle and he is separated unto the gospel of God as a believer in Christ. Uh, We've been separated unto the gospel. 
You know, when Jesus says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, he wasn't talking about just some missionaries or foreigners. He was talking about all of us. So God either sends us or we go. Amen. And well, actually, we go and and he sends us, whether it be to our own community, maybe to work through our own church, uh, maybe in our our own area or maybe on a foreign field. Uh, That's what the master calls us to do. But he has a place for us. Now, this word separation is the Greek word aphorizo. And it means to be set apart for a purpose. So we have been set apart specifically to fulfill that which Jesus Christ has called us uh, to do. Amen. So we are servants of Christ. We are called to be whatever God has called us to be, whatever function or whatever office he's called us to be in. And we are separated unto the gospel of God. And all of this is for his glory. Amen. Praise God. And we will find uh, glory in his glory. Amen. So we will become uh, we will come to be or Christ rather will become to be glorified in the saints. And also we will come to be glorified when we receive our reward. Now, Paul also mentions the demands of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, We've looked at our place in Christ, and now we're going to look at the demands of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's found in Romans chapter one, uh, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we see here that the gospel of Christ is the power of Christ, latent power to lead all to Christ who believe in the gospel. There's enough power to save every soul on this planet, everyone born of women. There is the power of Christ to do that. And that doesn't exhaust the power of God. Amen. God's power is unlimited. Amen. But he uses his power on our behalf to a degree. Amen. Just uh, enough of his power to do uh, the will and what he purposed in our life. So and God's demand is for all men to be just. God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his will. And not only does he want all men to be saved, to be justified, he wants all men then to walk by faith. And so if you are born again today, if you are saved and you have been justified through the grace of God, then you have met uh, God's demand. Now, uh, he demands for us also to walk by faith. Amen. Praise God. So being justified and walking by faith is meeting the demands that God has placed upon every human being on the face of this earth. And we know that God's righteousness is revealed to men through the preaching of the gospel. How did you and I get saved? Well, somebody had to preach the gospel in order for us to get saved, whether it be our pastor, whether it be an evangelist, maybe a sidewalk preacher, maybe a friend that witnessed to us. Somewhere we heard the gospel and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Praise God. And so We go about to meet the demands of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All that are saved do that. But 
uh, these demands are also uh, placed upon the, the entire world. And so Paul then, he begins to talk about uh, the also not just the power of God that's been revealed, uh, but he also talks about the wrath of God that has been revealed for those that don't obey the gospel. Notice what Paul writes in verses 18 through 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Notice that's the key verse. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. People in the world today, what they call truth, God calls sin. What they call light, God calls darkness. Amen. So Paul is talking about those, amen, that are a part of the God of this world and they have not submitted themselves to the God of creation. And then verse 19 says this, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God has laid in every human being, amen, the uh, ability to know God and the ability to hear God, to sense his presence, to know by looking at the stars that there is a creator in the universe. So verse 19 again, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. How's he shown it unto them? Well, look at the Old Testament. Look at the New Testament. Look at uh, the things in the universe. Look at uh, the, our environment, the creation. All this speaks of the handiwork of God. Verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. You know, there's an idea in the world today that man is ascending. He is not ascending. He has descended. He descended from the high and lofty place that Adam and Eve enjoyed for a season down to becoming that which is uh, as of beasts and the wild things of the world. Uh, Paul goes on and he says this, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the corruptible God into an image make unlike, make like, made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up unto uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts uh, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Notice he says he gave them up. That's a very important thing. He gave them up. In other words, he released them. Amen. Uh, they wanted to be unclean. So Paul, so God just released them uh, in their uncleanness. And then uh, Paul goes on and he says this. He says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Uh, verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication and wickedness and covetousness and maliciousness, full of envy and murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Amen. So Jesus Christ, he has revealed both the grace of God, but he has also revealed the wrath of God upon those who reject the good news of the gospel. Remember, there's only way, one way to get to God. There's only one way to be accepted by him. There's only one way to be included into his family, and that's through the work of Christ that he did on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, the word wrath is the Greek word orge, and this word means God's disposition towards men who disobey and who remain in sin by rejecting the gospel. Every sinner has the ability uh, through receiving the gospel to get out of sin and to get and be clothed in righteousness. Amen. Praise God. God has given every human being on the face of this earth the ability to obey him. Now, towards those that reject the gospel, God's wrath is manifested and it is manifested in punishment, both punishment in this life and punishment in the life to come. And so the root cause of the wrath of God and it's being executed now is due to men despising God and continually transgressing his will through ungodliness and through wickedness. Sinners sin by will and by choice, and their choice is not to obey God. Now, remember something that Luke wrote in his gospel in chapter 17, beginning in verse 28. He said, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Amen. And then Peter wrote in his second epistle, chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved into judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example of those that after should live ungodly. And so this word orge, it carries the idea of the anger of God, the justice of God, the punishment of God. Amen. This anger and this judgment brings on punishment. And we see the examples both in the days of Noah and also in the days of Lot all the way up to this day. So no man, I don't care who he is, even those who claim to be a Christian and who claim to be saved, 
If they live a life of fornication and adultery, if they place the love of money above the love for God, or if they live as a homosexual or a lesbian and join with other homosexuals, even in marriage, even if they're married in a church and married by a preacher, or they or people live, sinners live as a thief or a drunk, uh, they're not exempt from the wrath of God. They have been deceived and fooled, thinking that just because they made a one-time commitment to Christ and just because they got baptized in water, amen, they got their get-out-of-hell free card, amen, and then they've gone out and lived like the world and describing all the things that Paul described in the earliest uh, verse that, verses that we read that they commit on a daily basis. They live in them. They think they're going to escape the wrath of God. They're not. Amen. God has called us to righteousness. He's called us into holiness. And so there's no place for that in our life. And we'll see that in just a few moments. You know, Christ looked on the Pharisees with anger. Amen. That's the great word arge for their obstinate rebellion and unbelief. He revealed his divine wrath in the parable that he talked about the servant who was forgiven an insurmountable debt, but refused to forgive one of his own servants that just owed him a few pennies. You know, Christ drove the merchants out of the temple. That was his orge. That was his uh, anger, you know, and he punished them by fashioning a cord and whipped them and drove them out of the temple area. And Paul and Christ said this, he says, if thy right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is profitable for you that one of your members should perish and not that your whole body should be cast into hell. That's Christ speaking on behalf of Orge or the wrath of God. That's his warning. And the wrath of God is revealed and will continue to be revealed against all who reject God's offer of salvation through him. Amen. And that's just the world. Well, Paul here in writing in the second chapter also lists the demands of the gospel upon the religious person or upon the moral person, the one who's trusting in his own good works to get into heaven. And Paul says this in writing, Therefore you are without excuse, every man of you, who passes judgment, for in that you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. <clears throat> and we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. Now, let me read verse two again. Everything that we've read up to this point, And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. And do you suppose this, O oh man, we'll say, O oh religious man, or O oh, or, oh, morally man, moral man that thinks his own good works are going to get him into heaven. When you pass judgment upon those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So what Paul is saying here is that everyone, all of mankind are guilty of sin and are deserving of God's wrath. 
This includes the moral minded man could be a Jew or could be a man of some other religion that lives an extremely moral lifestyle. Amen. Or a religious person. This includes them. And these people, they point the fingers at those who do things, but they're doing something much worse. They're trying to trust in their own good works to get them into heaven, but it's not going to work. God is not going to accept that. Now, in Romans chapter two, it says this. He says, you, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one should not steal, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And so Paul proves this. This is in uh, chapter three and verse nine. We're over in chapter three now. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Notice that, that they are all under sin. Well, what does that mean? Well, man is under sin by nature. Man is under sin by act. Man is under sin by disposition. And man is under sin by decree. So all men born of women are under sin. And judgment has already been passed upon them. God has already called them guilty. And he is awaiting judgment. But there is a caveat here. God has made a way. And that way is through Jesus Christ. Man's destiny was judgment. But God sent his son to the cross and it was upon the cross that he was made sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. And so that inherent sin on the inside of us, God through Christ has pardoned all men. But now this pardoning has to become real to us. And it's made real to us through the preaching of the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. So God gives us by faith and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's all right. God gives to us through the faith that he plants in our heart to give us the strength. Amen. To reach out to Christ. And receive him as savior. And then we're passed from death unto life. Amen. Every human being is headed for death. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, like what Paul writes in chapter three. Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. This is God's law. This is what he has decreed. All men are sinners by his decree. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And this is, this is the uh, justification of God without the law. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all 
and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference between Jew or Greek, between the moral person or between the outright sinner. Both of them, amen, can be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. And this must be, this is something that must take place in the man's heart. And Paul says why it must be it must be in the heart of every individual for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the Father God is the only being who grants justification and and acquittal from guilt, from the guilt of transgression and from the dominion of sin. And yet this justification is made available to every human being, not just certain ones. And this justification, God's justification of the sinner comes through faith and the work of Christ on the cross. Amen. And Paul goes on and he says this, and beginning in chapter 3, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, to be a substitute through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. God's righteousness is imputed unto a sinner who surrenders to Christ, receives the justification that that God offers through the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. And his sins are remitted. Notice he says this. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. All past sins at that very moment that that man or that woman receives Christ, the very moment you or I receive Christ, all sins of the past were washed away. Praise God. Hallelujah. They were remitted. God washed them away. Now, sins that are present, sins that are in the future, God has also given us an uh, an avenue of forgiveness. If we confess our sins, writing to the church, writing to the believer, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. So God has dealt through Christ and through faith in Christ. God has dealt with the problem of sin. Now, God has declared all have sinned and therefore all are condemned to death. But now he's provided that mercy seat and that's Jesus Christ. And all who repent of sin and come to Christ by faith in his work that's accomplished on the cross, he declares not guilty. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. And Paul says this in writing to the Corinthian church, and all such sinners were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified and but you are justified. This is what happens to a truly penitent person that comes to Christ and receives new birth. First, he's washed. And what's so interesting about this word washed is that in the Old Testament, the sacrifice was always washed before it was offered. So God washes us. But then he also sanctifies us. In other words, he separates us. He sets us apart. Amen. And we see this throughout the scriptures. And it's so interesting Because in the scriptures, God sanctifies his name. And Christ sanctified himself in John chapter 17 so that his followers might also be sanctified. Paul writes about how the church is sanctified 
in chapter 5 and verse 26 of the book of Ephesians. And the father sanctified the son because he sanctified him and sent him into the world. And then Hebrews chapter 2 talks about the sanctifier and the sanctified, how they both are one. Praise God. And Paul, writing to the Corinthian church once again, says the church is sanctified in Christ Jesus. And of course, the sanctified are given an inheritance. Praise God. Hallelujah. And we, in response to the new birth, we are to sanctify the Lord in our hearts. And how do we do that? Well, Paul, t Peter told us the church is holy because he is holy. Be ye holy for I am holy. So after we're washed and after we're sanctified, then we are justified. Once again, being justified freely by his grace through, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. And the Paul ends by saying this. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the Jew and by faith and the Gentile through faith. The Jew by faith and the Gentile through faith. So we were all condemned, but now through Christ, we're all justified. Praise God. Hallelujah. And God is at work in our heart and in our life right now. Father, we bless you. We thank you for the word today. Lord, strike it deep into our hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. And we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.